and 16 uh, tonight. On December the 20th, a few weeks back, I preached, the Lord had us preach a message on uh, open doors, and this verse, it kind of lends itself to that, but I want to kind of go just a different, a little bit different direction tonight. Paul was talking to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about a door here, and I want you to think about uh, what he says in this verse. Let's read in your Bible, First Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 16, look at verse number 5 with me, 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 5. The Bible says, Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia. So Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. He says, Now I will come unto you when I pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. Verse 6, And it, it may be that I will abide, yea, in winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. So Paul says, I'm looking forward to being with you. This is, again, one of the churches that Paul started. And uh, he says, I, I really, I'm looking forward to coming and being with you. But look what he says in the next verse. Verse number seven, for I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit, but I will tarry at Ephesus unto Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. Would you read verse nine out loud with me together? For a great door and an effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. I wanna to talk to you on this thought tonight opposition or opportunity opposition or opportunity let's pray father thank you again for your love to us lord thank you again as we thank you brother integrin that he's in your presence father thank you that he can walk and talk and breathe and father thank you that one day we'll be there lord we ask that you even so come lord jesus that father we'd be in your presence lord while we're on this earth help us to realize what paul said then is true now there'll be many doors that'll be open unto us but they're not gonna be without opposition, but that opposition yields itself to opportunity. Help us, Father, to see that in our own lives, our church life, Lord, in this present day that we live. We ask now again for your help tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Paul talking to the church at Corinth says, I need to stay at Ephesus because God's got some great things that he wants me to do here. In fact, Lord permitting, we'll go over to the book of Acts and we'll be able to see what those things were that Paul was referring to. But the church at Corinth was not a stranger to the great things that were done there. When you think about Corinth, this uh, city that was known for its sinfulness, Paul goes there and Paul got into some trouble there and God told Paul, hey Paul, don't worry about it. I have much people in this city. And Paul stayed there for two years and God um, did a miraculous thing. People were saved, lives changed and helped and church, this church, the church at Corinth was established. We have much of our church doctrine from the letters that were written from Paul to the church of Corinth. God used those letters not just to teach them, but to teach us also. But at the end of Paul's first letter, he says, now listen, I want to come to you, but I can't right now. And the reason I can't is because God has given, as he said in verse number nine, let me read it again. He says, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul describing these doors of opportunities in his life, he says it's a great door. In other words, it's a big door. It's not small, the word great, we're talking about big. And then he says the word effectual, which is the idea of this is a powerful door. This is a, uh, an extraordinary door. It's an effectual door. We get, um, we get the word effective from that word effectual. And that word effective means it's successful. It's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be something good that's gonna happen out of it. So Paul is writing the church of Corinth. He says, now listen, at Ephesus, I need to stay here. And the reason I stay here is because God's doing some big things here. And then he ends that statement with, but there are many adversaries. But there are many adversaries. Church family, can I just tell you that in your lives, in your family's life, as well as our church life, that there are going to be some big, successful, great, 
open doors that God's going to allow us, but they are not going to be without opposition. You know, we have this mentality as Christians that if it's an open door, that it's going to be easy, it's going to go well, it's going to be obvious, it's going to go fine. Church, I mean, can I just tell you that open doors, just because the door is open, doesn't mean the devil's not going to fight you from going through it. And so it, Paul makes this very clear in this passage here. Now, I want you to go over to the book of Acts. I want to show you just a couple things tonight. And again, we're going to use as our text tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and that verse 9. But let me just, I want you to see something here. Look at 1 Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19, excuse me, Acts chapter 19. Paul is writing from Ephesus, and God gives us kind of a picture um, of what's going on when Paul made the statement in 1 Corinthians, and he tells them, he says, listen, there's a great door, an effectual door that God's opened unto me, but there's many adversaries. He, we kind of get the inside picture of what he's talking about. In Acts chapter 19, verse number 1, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. Now jump down to verse number 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when, verse number 19, opportunity, opposition, uh, meet each other, verse 9, but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated from the disciples. Now, church family, I guess I want you to just kind of understand what Paul's saying, so I'm going to stop here and get you thinking here. Paul gets to Ephesus, and the Bible says that for three months he's disputing in the synagogue. If he was going to the synagogue, he was more than likely talking to the Jews. And so here he's at the synagogue, and all of a sudden he's getting opposition. Now, read, let's read again verse 9 again. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of, the, of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated from the disciples. So he's getting opposition. But look what happens next. Next, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrenius, Verse 10, and this continued by the space of how long? Two years, so that they all, look at this phrase, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, can you picture 1 Corinthians 16 now? He says, I can't come to you at Corinth, and the reason I can't come is because a great door, an effectual door, a powerful door has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. The adversaries that were standing there speaking evil of what Apostle Paul said, Paul says, that's fine. I can handle that opposition, but there's a great opportunity. He goes to the school of Tyrenus, and when he's there, he reaches people there that are going to send the word, as the Bible says, throughout all Asia. That's an amazing thing, that God used these, this opposition to keep Paul saying, hey, God's doing something great here, even though the devil's fighting us here. I want you to see something else here. It's kind of interesting here. In verse number 17, I'm looking at verse 18. In verse 18 of chapter 19, he says, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mighty grew the word of God and prevailed. Now, is that not a good opportunity? People are, are bringing their sinful books and burning them. And many people are believing. Hey, church, that's what we want at the Heritage Baptist Church. We want to see Christians that maybe uh, were in sin get out of sin. We want to see people who were lost come to the Lord Jesus Christ, forsake that old lifestyle, and come and live the new life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's a wonderful thing that happened. But it wasn't without opposition. Look at verse number 23. In the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. In other words, the same time that people were bringing their books and burning them, the same time that both Jews and Greeks were being saved, at the same time that the word of God is going all, of it, all over Asia, verse 23, the same time there arose no small stir about, the way, about that way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, 
brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. So that they not only is this our craft is in danger, and said it not, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana. Verse number 28, And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath, and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater, and when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the center of theater. Follow now, verse 32. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoning with the hand, and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice, about the space of two hours, cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men which are neither robbers of churches nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any man, the law is open and there are deputies. Let them implead one another. Now, church family, I read all those verses because I want you to see the picture of what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians. He's telling them in 1 Corinthians, when he said in verse number 9, he said, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, but there are many adversaries. In, in Ephesus, people were being saved, but there was also opposition to those people being saved. Uh, can you imagine for two hours, the city, the city is in an uproar, and they're all crying out, Great is the goddess of Diana. And that's all they said, over and over and over for two hours. That was the opposition that Paul was referring to, and Paul says, I, I can't leave. I need to stay here because God has a great door. There's people that are being saved and, and, and lives that are being helped. And he says, even though there's opposition, there's a great opportunity here. Now, church family, in our Christian life, we are going to have those same things happen. We're going to have trials that are going to come into our life. And if you're not careful, you're going to think that those trials are God saying no, or you're going to think that those trials is God's punishment in your life, when all God's trying to do is to make way for a bigger opportunity. Think about just a couple of thoughts on this tonight, and this is what I want you to see tonight. When you think about what Paul said in that verse, in verse number nine, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, I want you to think about what Paul was talking about to the church of Corinth. He was saying, when he says a great door, he's saying there is an opportunity here. He says, I, first I was in the synagogue for three months, now I'm in a school of Tyrrhenius. He says, I was only speaking to the Jews, now I'm speaking to the Jews and Gentiles. He says, I was only on the Sabbath talking to them at the synagogue, now I'm talking to them daily. He says, I was three months at one point, now I'm two years. He was saying, hey, listen, there is an opportunity. Hey, church family, we've got to be careful that we don't miss the opportunities that God gives us. You know, in your family setting, there's certain times that you're dealing with your children and it's, if you're a parent, it's almost like the light comes on and says, hey, listen, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to, me to teach something. It's an opportunity to me to get his heart. It's an opportunity for me to be able to mold his will. And you know, as a parent, you don't want to miss those times. Because they don't just always happen. They don't always, always happen. You've heard me say before, and I've told my wife the same thing. And my kids, it's funny, because they listen to me sometimes while I'm preaching. <laughs> 
But we were sitting around the other night and the kids were just talking. And when my kids talk, to be honest with you, as a parent, I like to hear them talk. And so all of a sudden, one of the kids stopped and says, dad's listening to us. And there's a joy about being a parent of watching your kids laugh together. And I'm talking about clean laughter, but there's a joy about your kids getting together. And my, my kids are getting older, and I don't know how much, I can't remember when they're really small, but as your kids get older, it's nice to see them talk to one another. And it's nice to see them communicate. And, some, and for me, I, I kind of enjoy sometimes when they make fun of each other. And uh, we enjoy those things. But you know, when a child, and your child's getting older, and he's you know, 15, 16, or 17, and all of a sudden they're coming and asking you questions, as a parent, you, th you think to yourself, hey, whoa, we're going to stop. You know why? Because you have an opportunity. You know, spiritually uh, speaking, it's the same way, not just in a family. But spiritually speaking, you've got these same opportunities that are going to happen in your life. You don't want to miss them. Now, listen to me closely. Over the time, over the years that I've been here, I have seen people who have wasted spiritual opportunities in their life because they did not see it as a spiritual opportunity. Hey, I like, I've got this ministry that I'd like, like for you to be a part of. Well, I really don't have time, my job. I want to tell you something, if you're not careful. By the way, what is it? I know this is not a Bible verse, but tired men rule the, world, rule the world. Can I just tell you what? You can still serve God and be tired. This is not your rest. And, and, and so we as Christians, we have to understand that there are going to be times in our spiritual life that yes, I'm going to be tired and yes, I'm not going to feel like it, but I've got to take the opportunities that God gives me. You know, the, the very time you don't get up in the morning to have your devotions is going to be the very time that God wanted to do a work in your life, for not, not for future, but for that day. Hey, there's opportunities, and there will be opposition that will come with those opportunities, but don't miss the opportunity. But that's, not the first, that's the first thing I see in that verse. But here's the second thing I was thinking about in this verse here in verse number 9 of chapter 1 Corinthians 16. He says, for a great door and effectual is opened. Now, I don't know if you get your Bible back there or not. But think about it. He says there's a great door and effectual that is open unto, you remember what the word was? It was me. It was the person, Paul. He said, there's a great door, it's open unto me. You know what I gather from that? There are certain doors that are only going to be open to you. There are certain doors that are only opened unto you. And, and so you need to make sure that you don't miss those doors because those are doors that God specifically, opportunities that God specifically gave you. You say, God doesn't do that. He's, he does that. No, that's not true. Think about it for a moment here. All of us have different spiritual gifts. When you go back and study the parables, you're going to find out that he gave one guy five talents, he gave another one two, and he gave another one one. And, and by the way, it's not a matter that God's a partial God. God's an equitable God. But what God does is he not, does not judge us by how many talents he gives us. He judges by what we do with what he gave us. The second parable that talks about the talent was kind of interesting because there was 10 servants and he gave each one of them one. It's not a matter of you made, because one guy took the one and made 10 and the other guy took the one and made five and he said the same thing to both of them. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You don't have to be a talented, quote unquote, talented Christian to use the talent that you have. If you're a one-talent Christian, you do the best with your one talent, and you're going to hear the same thing at the judgment seat of Christ of, well done, thou good and faithful servant, as the person who was given ten talents, and they seemingly, boy, that, that person there, he's going to be really rewarded. When we get to heaven, we're going to find out the rewards will not be to the pastor behind the pulpit. It'll be to the person in the pew. That picture of Brother Inergan, I have no doubt at the judgment seat of Christ that he is going to have tons of rewards. Brother Integrin, uh, I again, I hope I don't miss this stuff. Brother Stumpf can help me out here. But was it the Faith Baptist, uh, um, Faith Baptist Church that he helped first as far as the pastor in Olathe? It wasn't Brother, Watkin, uh, Brother um, Watson. Brother Stove, do you remember who the pastor was? Gakin. 
Brother Dak, and that's where he started out, started out and, he, and he helped in that church for years. And then again, I don't remember if there was another church before he came here, before God brought Brother Enneagram here. But the thing about Brother Enneagram was, is Brother Enneagram was a help to the pastor. You talk about a brainiac. Brother Enneagram, I mean, when it comes to numbers, I mean, he talked on a different level. Don't worry, none of you have that problem. Okay. But you know what, I'm gonna tell you something, no matter how talented Brother Integrin was, he was down to earth when it comes to spiritual things and what comes to be a help in the church. And I have no doubt that God's gonna, at the judgment seat of Christ, is gonna reward him accordingly. And I'm just saying that what God gave to Brother Integrin, God gives you something. By the way, there, are, there is nobody that is saved that didn't get at least one spiritual gift, not nobody. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, he says that, he, that God gave them severally, uh, severally, I think is the word, severally as he will. In other words, God chose what he wanted to give you and you ought to use what he gave you. In the parables, remember what the phrase was? Occupy till I come. That word occupy means do business with. It means use what God's given you. So when I look at this, every person in here, there's a great door that is opened unto me. Church family, there was only one Noah to build an ark. There was one, only one Gideon to lead 300 men. There was only one John the Baptist to be the forerunner of Christ. There was only one Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. There was only one Deborah to be a judge uh, to Israel. And I'm just telling you, there's only one you, and God has a purpose and plan for your life. Don't waste the opportunity. Don't waste the opportunity. There's young people sitting inside this auditorium right now. You still can't see through, uh, through God's, you're still not looking at it as God looks at things. You're still looking at it through your, and again, listen to me closely because I'm not trying to be, a, be, be rude, but you're looking at it through a teenager's eyes. You have not lived life yet and you've not gotten to the place that God wants in your life. And if you would just simply say, okay, here I am, this is what I, I want to do your will. If you'll do God's will now, you will end up doing God's will later in the sense of you've got a mom and dad at home. They tell you to make your bed. If you can't make your bed, how are you ever going to do God's will for your life in the future? You know, it's funny because I know you guys don't like it when I do that, but, and you don't have to stand tonight. You can just breathe easy, okay? You ought to make your bed. Okay? And if for no other reason you ought to make your bed, and, and I know your thought, I'm going to get in it again anyway. <laughs> if for no other reason you ought to make your bed, because your mom and dad told you to make your bed. And he that is faithful in that which is least, now I want to tell you what the Greek means there, make your bed. <laughs> he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. If you can't be counted on, on something so trivial of picking up your dirty clothes because you don't have maid service at your house, young person, then I want to tell you, how are you ever going to do what God's will is for your life in, in a larger way in your life? You, what you don't understand, it's these small things of life of having a mother and father say, no, don't do that. Okay, do this. Get out of bed. Go to school. Do this. It's those little things of doing those little things right that's going to cause you to do the bigger things in life that God wants for your life. You know why? Because it's an open door. It's an opportunity, and it's the opportunity that only you're going to have. It was an opportunity, and it not only was the, the opportunity was important, it was the person that was important. It was the person that God chose to do what God chose him to do. Brother McMacken, how long have you been coming to our church now? How long have you been coming? The last week of, the last week of February of this year. Of oh, this year, last week of February. Man. He knows exactly how long he's been here. Brother... Um, Brother McMacken, he'll send me an email every once in a while. 
And he says, hey, listen, I was studying this particular uh, passage of Scripture. What do you think about this particular thing? And I'm very careful about answering his questions because he studies his Bible, which means I have to study mine. <laughs> you know, it's amazing to me that God waited all those years to bring Brother McMack into this church. Brother Anderson is, is another similar one. I don't know how many times Brother Anderson has walked out the door and he stops and he says to me, Pastor, I really needed that message. There is no way he needs every message. <laughs> His wife might need him, but not him. Okay. Church, I mean, do you understand that this church could not function if it wasn't like people were like Brother Integrant over the years, Brother McMacken, Brother Anderson, this church could not function. But church family, there's young people inside the auditorium right now. You still haven't gotten it yet, how important you are to this church because the Bible says every member is necessary. Amen. You guys that are in Bible college, you young people that are in high school and you're getting close to graduating, you're so close to finding out the devil's got a big target on your back, but you're so close to finding that great door of opportunity that doesn't come without opposition. Whenever anybody comes and joins the church, not everybody, almost everybody, I, tr I tell them, you know, when they come to this church, we have had people that have come to this church and says, Pastor, I've never been to a church like this. This is the greatest church in all the world. And I stop them and I remind them this is not the greatest church in all the world because it still has people in it. And I love this church and I love you and I love, I love it that God allowed us to be together here. But church family... With opportunity, there's opposition. You're going to come to a church like this, and I promise you, I promise you, you will be offended. You're going to, and, and the devil knows, you're going to be offended by some message. You're going to be offended by some church member. You're going to be offended because something's broke around here. I don't know. You're going to get offended. And so when you come to the Heritage Baptist Church, you don't come to this church thinking, you know, this is the greatest church in the world. You think we've got a great God that he placed me here. And I, it's like, I hate to use a presidential term, but it's not, stop asking what, you, what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That same idea goes with church. This is not about what can the church do for me. And we understand God gave the church to do something for me but the mentality of i'm going to go to church because of what i get out you come to church because what god what god wants to do through you at the church why what do you mean because we're, we're a body i'm thankful that i got fingers as well as toes as well as eyes as well as ears all of this together makes the body function the reason you are here is not so much what you can get from church as much as what you should be doing for your church why because with great opportunity there's going to there's going to come opposition we have people that come to the college. And uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't advertise and I don't talk people coming into our college. You know, if, you, if the Lord leads you here, I'm all for you being here. And I've got several reasons for this. But, but one of my main reasons for not trying to talk people coming to college is because when they get here, it, they might think it's wonderful before they get here. But when you get to college, it's not so wonderful. <laughs> college students don't say a word. You just smile and act like you're having a good time, all right? Because when you get to college, it's about tests. And I think probably the biggest thing about college, it's about a roommate that you're going to live with that isn't like you. And in some cases, they're not clean. They don't make their bed or, you know, they're just obnoxious. But you know what? That's your opposition because with great opportunity comes opposition. Emily, who are you roomed with? Hannah? Okay, Hannah's got the opposition. Then. <laughs> All right. do, do you understand that we get, into, we get into life, and as soon as the devil throws something at us, oh, God must not be in it. 
Church family, I, I'm, not, uh, I, I'm not purposely doing that. I tell you, like the Lord's just trying to prepare us. I really believe in my heart we're supposed to start that church in Topeka. I, I hope you understand it will not, it will not, it will not be without opposition. God's done some wonderful things already in the pre- preference of that, but it won't be without opposition. Something else here last of all that says, not only was there an opportunity, not only was there a person, but there's an enemy. Paul, Apostle Paul, when he says in verse number nine, he didn't say, for, with a, great, with a, with, but for a great door and effectual is open unto me, but there are many. He didn't say the word but, he said and. It's almost like a connecting conjunction. He says, I just want you to know, God's doing some great things at Ephesus, but then there's Demetrius, the silversmith. God's doing some really, really great things, but then there's these Jews that are speaking evil of me. It's and, it's not but. You know, you're going to go through trials, you're going to go through trouble. I'm sorry, I wish there was a better way. When you get to heaven, I can promise you you won't have them then, but you know, you're gonna go through times of heartache, times that your heart's just wrenching and tears come. There's gonna be times in your life that you're not gonna have money. There's gonna be times where your kids are gonna disappoint you. There's gonna be times that your wife's gonna disappoint you, your husband's gonna, there's gonna be times. There's gonna be time I'm gonna disappoint you. You know, you have to understand that if you're saved, that God wants to use you in some, some shape, some way, shape or form, that God wants to use you, and that with those opportunities that God has for you, the devil's gonna fight you on it. The word adversary, you understand it. Be sober, be vigilant, because you're our adversary. Who is he? The devil. Walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We understand that the adversary is the devil. We understand that the enemy that truly is against you and your Christianity, is against your family as far as your kids growing up to serve God, and against this church as far as getting the gospel to the world, is Satan himself. We understand that they're the demons that are following Satan, that is going to do everything in their power to cause us to trip up, to mess up, to do wrong, to be a stumbling block to others. We understand that the devil is going to do those things. In Acts chapter 19, let me just show you real quick here. I think it's verse number 9. Let me look real quick here. If you've got your Bible still, Acts still there. Acts chapter 19. And in verse number nine, he says, but when divers were hardened, in verse number nine, but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way. Just remember, you know why all that stuff happened? You, you, we think, we think oh, you know, it's just some people didn't like to hear the gospel message. Think about this. Divers were hardened. They spoke evil of that way. Those things don't happen by accident. And by the way, if you're not saved, you have no spirit of God that dwells inside. If you're lost, there's no spirit of God. You are a child of the devil, according to scripture. And I'm just telling you, the devil manipulates the lost. They don't even know it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, they're blind to it. The devil manipulates a lost person. And so this this trouble that he was coming, it was not because of the Jews who did not like him. It was not because of Demetrius, the silversmith. It was not because of Alexander, the coppersmith. It was not because of all these people that just seemingly did not like Paul's personality. It's because there's a real adversary and there's a real devil. 2 Timothy 4, 14, he said, Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. You're in Acts. Let me show you one other thing in Acts. This is kind of interesting. Look at Acts chapter 20. Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders. Now think about this. The Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. And look at verse 29. Acts 20 verse number 29. 
Verse 28, he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves. Verse 29, for I know this, verse 29, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Church, I mean, you know what Paul's saying? With great opportunity, there's opposition. He said the opposition could, is going to come, grievous wolves are going to come from within. You know, you heard me say here recently that it's been the calm before the storm. And, you know, as your pastor, to be honest with you, I don't know, I honestly don't know of any problems going on right now. And I don't want to know of any problems. If there are problems, I have to take care of them. But, but I'm thankful. By the way, if you've got a bad spirit, you hide it well. Keep it up. No. <laughs> Man, what a wonderful thing it is to where God's people are getting along and God's people are, are trying to witness and try God's people. Man, that's a wonderful thing. But church, I want to tell you something. If the Lord tarries his coming, the devil's not going to leave us alone. Not going to leave us alone. And by the way, I know, and you know, there's some of you in here, you are struggling. We're not, we're not without struggles. We're not without problems. But can I tell you that Joseph became the governor of Egypt, but it was not without opposition. He spent 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner. Daniel became uh, third in, actually first in command after Darius because he's one of the top three presidents, but it was not without Darius saying, don't go, don't pray, don't look to any other God. And he immediately went to his room as he did a four time and he prayed and he's thrown into a lion's den. Apostle Paul talks about that light affliction and I won't turn to it tonight, but Paul says, I was beaten, I was in hunger, I was in the deep. He goes through all of these things that he calls light affliction and you know what? He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Do you understand that with opposition, I'm sorry, with opportunity is going to come opposition. But can I also remind you tonight that Jesus said, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And I understand that God who is able to do anything will sometimes opposition. This last um. Uh, uh, Friday, today's Sunday, I think it was Friday. This last Friday, I was at basketball practice and we had the full court. At our gym, uh, a lot of times the girls have to practice volleyball, so you only have half a court. If you've ever tried to practice basketball with a half a court, it's really, it's not very good. All right, you know, you're trying to, and here's the reason why. If you're only running half a court, but then you get into a ball game and you're running full court, they're just, they're winded, they can't run well. And of course, there's a lot that has to do with desire, but still physically you've got to get exercise so we had the full court on Friday you know when I was in school we did minimum of 20 shuttles now a shuttle is you run to the half court line run back run to the half court line uh, I'm sorry run to the free throw line back half court line back the other uh, free throw line and back and then the full uh, other end of the gym and back that's called one shuttle and you run those we'd run about at least 20 of those a, pra a practice and our practices were after school for about an hour they were for an hour and a half besides the times that we practice other times but so we had the full court on Friday. And I said, fellas, we're going to do a, a few shuttles. Now, I'm not going to kill them. I, if they had to do 20, we'd take half of them to the hospital in the ambulance, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't bother killing them. And, 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 and there's no use killing them because we, only, we don't play enough games to do it. And so anyway, I just said, we're going to run. But they had to run those shuttles, and I'm telling you, they were about to die. Here, uh, you guys that were in that practice, stand up for just a moment so I make fun of you. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. All right, this is the basketball team, all right? 
Now, as you can see, I have, do not have much to work with, all right? <laughs> now, I would say they're probably better football players than they are basketball players, because if you've ever played with them, they're, they're rough, all right? So, thank the Lord for that. Marshall, are you the senior this year? Am I correct on that? Now, you tell me if I'm exaggerating, but when I was leaving the gym, you were over in the corner on the floor. <laughs> I felt bad. I left. <laughs> now, here's what I'm trying to stress to these guys that are standing. I know that in a real ball game, they can't just say, hey, I'm going to take a breather. You have to run that full court. And opposition is what gives opportunity. And so sometimes we get into that place where, man, I don't want to do this Christian life thing. I worked all day and I'm going to go to church on a Wednesday night. I don't want to do this. Can I tell you something? Opposition opens the door for opportunity. Amen. I don't know who said it, and I'm sure it was a preacher of the past, but a preacher of the past used to say this. Every opportunity hangs on the hinges of opposition. And you've got to get to a place in your life that sometimes the Christian life is not easy, but that uneasiness is what gives you the opportunities for God to use you in your life. Amen. Maybe seated. <clears throat> I was reading a story, and I'm done with this, but I was reading a story about a boy. Him and his father was unloading packages, and they were boxes. And the father, you know how fathers do, the boy came up with his arms like this, and the father was placing those boxes, those packages on the boy's arms. A passerby or a person, a person passing by, I should say, a person passing by, he looked at the little boy and he looked at the father, thinking that he was, the father was putting too much on the boy's hands. And the, and the, the guy passing by, you know, says, hey, uh, you're, you're putting a lot on that boy. Is, is, can, he, can he carry all that? And before the father could say anything, the little boy looked up to the guy that was passing by and he says, my father knows how much I can carry. Now, you might be going through opposition, but I promise you this. Your father knows how much you can carry. Amen. Don't give up. Don't quit. Amen. Great opportunity. Would you buy ahead and close your eyes tonight? <clears throat>